The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. We are live at CNBC's inaugural CEO Council Summit in Santa Barbara, California. Take a look at futures here as the market juggles a bunch of pieces of news today. These debt ceiling talks, a little more optimism, not a lot of news. Global PMI is rolling in. Yields definitely elevated. That long bond back to four for the first time since March. Our roadmap begins with uh, D.C.'s race for that debt deal. Speaker McCarthy says talks were, quote, productive as Wall Street watches for any signs of negotiation progress. Plus inflation headwinds, Lowe's joining Home Depot, warning about waning demand for home improvement goods as consumers cut back on discretionary spending. And AI's labor and economic impact, the CEO of EY is going to join us later this hour to discuss. As we mentioned, we're live from CNBC's first CEO Council Summit in California, where we're going to bring you exclusive interviews and insight from some of the country's biggest executives. They're going to tackle the debate over the nation's finances, AI, the revolution there, of course, the dangerous escalation in U.S.-China tensions. Got a nice little set here. We'll be moving around. Uh, Gorgeous view of the ocean. Look, I'll just tell you, I don't want to be a buzzkill, but everybody keeps saying we're waiting for when the consumer is going to get weaker. Other than when it comes to airplane traffic, the consumer's weaker everywhere, everywhere. I mean, they're spending less on cars. They're spending less at Home Home Depot. Now we know they're spending less at Lowe's. Yes, okay, so they spent equal amount at Dick's. But BJ's, they spent a lot less. David, I'm not getting a picture of the consumer buying anything. Remember they were buying clothes. They were buying software. They were buying hard and soft. Now, yes, it's true. We had Kirby on United Air, and the planes are full. But if that's it. What kind of economy are we going toward? Uh, I would go back at you and say, well, Jim, what kind of economy are we going toward? Well, it was rhetorical, so thank you. You're welcome. Good to see that even though we're out here in somewhere in Santa Barbara, he hasn't changed his ability to be. (laughs) Nothing nothing changes, except that we're even closer than usual. We're like literally rubbing elbows here. I'm very uncomfortable. (laughs) We we may move to our other set that was set up and beautiful, but uh, the ocean mist here apparently is quite heavy. I know the people at home. Really care about that. Well, I'd like to inform the viewers to everything that's going on. So, uh, all right, continue and tell me no, what's just, going to the economy going to look like well, with I a just, consumer that's only spending on air travel. Okay, so you go to, you look at the Lowe's quarter, and I think Marvin Ellison's doing a great job. And you say, okay, well, the do it yourselfer is really not doing that well. Then you go to Home Depot, and they say the do it yourselfer is not doing that well. Both say the professionals, not that, not that strong, not that weak. And Carl, okay, so we know that they're not buying clothes, we know that they're not fixing up their houses. I think they're tapped out, except for the fact that uh, this is that long on money, short on time. They're still going places. Now, one of the things that we do know is that airplane tickets are up, and the Fed hates that. It's right in the CPI. Uh, It's just such a sore point, that and rent, which is very hard to bring down because you can't build any more homes. Uh, There's just only so many. They're buying them. They're building them only if you want one. The old days, they put them up everywhere. So I just come up with a... If the Fed is waiting for the consumer to get weak, stop waiting. Yeah. One of the issues we're going to try to tackle today at this uh, CEO Council Summit, um, along with AI, what's happening with tech, 
uh, what's happening with China, Jim, which really got our conversations uh, started off last night with John Donahoe of Nike. And he talked to um, our Sarah Eisen about the progress, the thinking in corporate America behind trying to decouple or de-risk from China. Here's what he said. I think decoupling is, would be disastrous economically between the U.S. and China or China and, and or European Union. If you really look at the trade flows um, both ways, they play a mutually valuable role. And so, um, you know, again, we believe in global trade and we'll continue to try to do everything we can to support that. He argued that global trade is a force for stability. He argued that they're not a national security concern, obviously, and, and they're highly regarded among the Chinese consumer. Well, look, I, they've always been have a great relationship. The Ministry of Sport likes Nike. Uh, Nike stands for, uh, for exercise worldwide, and that's terrific. But th- what we're doing with China has much more to do uh, with the military. And we don't want to give them the chips. Why? Because the military, it's not like we don't want to give them the chips because we don't want them to have high fidelity at home. The chips are all about, David, the ability to be able to sink a naval vehicle, I mean, Navy, be able to stop us while we try to defend Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can sell a lot of sneaks, and that'd be great. I mean, it would be terrific if the sneaker economy were to... Sure. Like the ping Buy as many economy. Nikes as you want, but sorry, you don't get any H100s from NVIDIA. Right. And you think, um, which would they prefer? Uh, Jordans? Or H100s. You know, we have, an, we have NVIDIA reporting tomorrow. We had Nike talking there. Nike versus NVIDIA. Which do they really want? Right. Um, it's a great, important question. I think they want both. Yeah. But uh, there's no doubt that they're continuing to, to build up their military in a significant way in China and obviously want access to the, to, the, to the best technology they can. And they do not have a homegrown chip sector that is at anywhere near the level yeah. Uh, that ours is on the designing front or on the manufacturing front, which, of course, then takes you to TSMC in Taiwan and the conversation we have often uh, at whether it's this desk or our desk back in uh, back at the New York Stock Exchange. And one also I had with Musk a a little less than a week ago during our interview in which he discussed that decoupling, Carl, and called it uh, separating conjoined twins was his his line. And you can imagine what that can look like as well. So not not good. It is top of mind for every CEO, I think, the relationship with China. Even if you don't necessarily have important business in that country, it's still something you're monitoring closely and for boards of directors. It's just, it's right there. AI is now right there. These handful of issues that everybody has to think about all the time. Well, look, I think that we don't want war. We don't want Taiwan to be taken over. We don't want a Hong Kong version of Taiwan. And it's one thing to be able to talk about world trade. It's another thing to be able to say, look, we are trying to keep them from having hypersonic weapons that could hurt us. This is this Cold War. And anyone who thinks it's not Cold War uh, is kind of like, you know, off, off the reservation. You can't have this. You can't have, on the one hand, worried about whether we have a naval presence to stop them from taking over Taiwan. And on the other hand, say, you know what, it's really great to have a lot of trade. We had a lot of trade with Russia. Then Russia invades Ukraine. No, I'm yeah, well, nothing like what we have with China. Not no, even, but I'm even saying, not nobody, even remotely in the same. No, but I'm saying that that Taiwan, they want those chips, right? They want the They want what the Chinese want. What Taiwan's hemi mix? Yeah. Although, again, in in the scenario that you imagine, it's unclear exactly what would happen. 
what would happen well, with Taiwan Semi, what would happen it, with anything. It would help if the, the, there was supposed to be some talks between. Yes, it would help if they de-escalated. Yeah, I think that you have to pull it back. I mean, you see what, well, now Russia's a rogue nation now. China's not a rogue nation. China just doesn't want to come to the table like it used to. Uh, this piece in the FT this morning that says China's more worried about Japan's chip curbs than our own. And we are not doing this by ourselves. No. I mean, it's funny because Micron, uh, which is doing this huge deal with Japan, uh, Micron was kicked out of China, so to speak. And yet this very morning, Mizuho says that the Chinese need the Micron chips so badly that they're going to have to come back. Now, Micron makes the lowest end chips. And I, Sanjay Marotra is terrific. Uh, he's a great CEO. But they don't need uh, the Micron chips as much as they need the NVIDIA. Or, by the way, AMD, which has a new uh, version of, of the Italian roadmap that has AI. We haven't talked about AI. Mm-hmm. Dave, remember when we, what was it we used to talk about that we hadn't mentioned Apple? In, now yet, we haven't mentioned right. AI. And we so haven't mentioned we, Apple or, was Tesla. or Tesla or yeah. Musk. Right. Yeah, although we've mentioned Musk already, so that's good. We got that in. We don't have a clock here, I, but well, I, that's pretty clip. early in the show. I wanted the clip of him just staring at you, not saying anything, just just put that on a loop so it's right? a 30-minute stare. Right. And yeah, that's that, that moment where, where you say, he's going to rip his mic off. He doesn't like David. And then it turned <laughs> out that it was like he liked David. Yeah, he wasn't going to do that. It was fascinating. Uh, and I hope but, we get to do something but, more. There's always endless things to talk to that man but about. But we do talk about the, the volume of cars he's making in China. I mean, that, if you want to know who I think could make it so that there's uh, a softening, it's Musk just saying, listen, we got this greens. These markets are terrific. No one is. Do you think he's willing to play diplomat? Honestly, yes. Uh, um, not with this president, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's. Listen, I, I didn't expect we'd end up talking about this, but don't forget Starlink and the importance that it's had in the uh, in the Ukraine war. So he is involved in things. We didn't yes. get to that during our conversation last week, but uh, he's involved in things far beyond you know what you might expect. Um, met with Macron a week ago as well. Um, it was the balloon that set things back. back. Yeah. Back to politics. Um, well, actually, we want to get to the debt ceiling. Yeah, all, I mean, we, we, you've been arguing, Jim. It's been something to watch. McCarthy did say last night, best meeting so far. Yeah, look, I, it, it's one of these things where if it doesn't go to the deadline, then it's kind of, kind of like a clock. It's like cutting their show short at like 9.32 in Eastern time. They can't do that. They have to go to the latest, the last hour so that they can each attack each other saying that the other person's not doing now now senator cruz was on Although this morning it was seemed well it, it, it seemed, no i heard i heard senator cruz this morning but well, mccarthy did and biden did not seem at each other's throats yesterday. no they're not no. no you ever talk to the speaker um yeah i think i have at some point he's not an ideologue now so there are a lot of people in the party who are ideologues i think he wants to do a deal but i think they also have to i think that they're going to portray biden as being the reason why we have high inflation and we don't have a budget deal, and you're not getting your Social Security well, the reports check. Reports that I read of the of the meetings yesterday, Carl, seemed to be more positive yeah. than not in terms of the possibility of reaching a deal. Yeah, and McHenry too, coming out and saying we'll see uh, yeah. what we get. I think we uh, do have a market flash here on Apple, and if I'm not mistaken, we're going to turn to Steve Kovac on that. Is that right, Steve? Hey, Carl, yep, you are correct. Look at uh, shares of Broadcom up about three and a half percent. Apple announcing a what they call a multi-year, multi-billion-dollar agreement with Broadcom to make RF 5G chips 
for the iPhone. Now, this is a continuation of a current deal they already have. You might remember a couple months ago, there was a report out there saying Apple was intending to make their own chips and actually get rid of Broadcom. That's clearly not happening anytime soon after the announcement of this deal. So we're seeing shares pop about three and a half percent here on, on uh, Broadcom and Apple is about flat right now. Uh, Steve, thank you for that. Thank That's you. Because I had an interview yesterday with, uh, thanks, Steve, sorry, I interviewed yesterday with, with uh, Liam Griffin from Skyworks Solutions. Now, that stock is trading down for a belief that perhaps they could get some of Broadcom's business. Uh, Broadcom, I like Broadcom, I like Hawk Tan, he's been on our show, but they're regarded as being a, a company that is very, very tough. Now, not Qualcomm, which is being regarded as a company that is almost rogue by some people, but this is very good for Broadcom, and I think people who felt that there was finally going to be a chance that Broadcom is ripped out. Boy, were they wrong. David, Hock Tan has got a reputation as being ruthless. Ruthless. And yet he still got the Apple deal. He did. Uh, the deal that, that is on my radar still those of the VMware deal. Yeah, and the question about, in particular, the regulator in the U.K., the CMA, that our viewers, of course, perhaps have become familiar with, given their opposition to Microsoft's um, uh, acquisition of Activision. But that's the next one on the docket there. CMA has been under some pressure from the prime minister to be a little more pro-business, but very much unclear what the position's going to be on that deal. It's an important deal, obviously, for Hawk Tan. Oh, look, I, I've got to tell you, he, if he doesn't do his deals, he can't make his numbers. That's the way he does his numbers. Now, I know that sounds uh, a little ruthless myself, but he does deal after deal, and then he fires a lot of people. Remember the Symantec. I do. I do. Yes, he is still he's on, that, right. on that cycle. I don't know if you disagree with us. I, well, he, he would say no, because we've asked him that question before, which is, do you have to continue to do deals to maintain? Oh, no, I meant that he fires. Oh. He fires people when they... Oh, I just wonder whether, I mean, you know, that's the rap against them, isn't it? Yes. Hasn't it always been? that yes. if, if you If you, the next deal's got to be even bigger, and if you end, then you, oh, you I know. become, you know, we know any number of those roll-up kind of companies that were, it was always about right. the next Well, I mean, Broadcom is uh, the roll-up. Always was, about, right. It used to be uh, the accounting. You know, kept the symbol. Well, and right, exactly. Well, look, I, I think that Apple is secretive. So it's very interesting that they even announced this. They hate, <laughs> they hate, I mean, when you speak with Liam Griffin, it, uh, and I love Liam from Skyworks, he always says, you're in the big company because Apple doesn't like you to mention. Uh-huh. Now, Qualcomm, of course, was flatly everything. And to the point where, see you later, they're almost done. But it's, it's a great deal with Broadcom. Broadcom's going to be up more than this. It was up, it was up a lot earlier this week, but now it's going to break out. Yeah. It's a very big deal. Between this and AMAT this week, uh, there's so much news. Oh, in the my. Space. And I just think that, don't forget, we still haven't heard from NVIDIA. Yep. And I, Jensen's got some stuff for you talking about totally replacing it. Completely. No, you remember how he's like always worried about whether, you know, who was going to happen? You just replicate him rather than replace no, I'm him. Not, I'm, I mean, yeah, I am worried. I'm, I'm still here. I'm you still here. You be worried. I am worried. I'm much more worried who, than you are. Who missed? Who was that who, was in, who threw out the first pitch? That was clearly not you. <laughs> no, that was some guy who doesn't know how to throw a baseball. That's well, not could, me. That was simulation. Yeah. That was Davis Faber, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, still to come this morning, we will hit lows. A uh, bit of an echo of some dynamics we saw in the Home Depot call. We'll get to DKS, uh, AutoZone, BJ, Lordstown, a lot of news. Uh, meantime, take a look at futures here as the market obviously once again on tinderhooks looking for headlines on the debt ceiling. Don't go away. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, 
Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Check out shares of Lowe's this morning, moving lower despite a beat on earnings. Uh, comps did miss. They do cut the guide. Once again, Jim, it's lumber deflation, bad weather, lower do-it-yourself. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, that whole theme I have, which is that we are done fixing up our homes. Uh, people are not moving in part because they don't want to lose their low mortgage. Uh, look, I think Marvin Ellison's doing a very good job. There was a pullback when you speak with him on discretionary large ticket purchases, but very limited examples of customers trading down. Now, this is important because when you go back to the Deer quarter, Deer makes the finest uh, lawn equipment. And it was bad for them, just bad. So there is some inventory in the system. It's good to see that it's not Deer. But, David, what we're seeing, again, is that uh, garden is good, yeah. uh, paint's good, appliances were good for them. That's different from Home Depot. Okay. So it's not – I would say that this – because Home Depot reported first – Lowe's right. doesn't seem as Did big. Lowe's, I forget, did Lowe's suffer at all on the day that Home Depot also reduced its Yes, so therefore you got a little de-risk. Right. But I just am used to the do-it-yourself for doing well, and the do it, because during the, the great pandemic, everyone was kind of tinkering with things. It's, oh, people like their homes as they are. I can't find anyone, we have Williams Sonoma coming up uh, soon, but I can't find anyone who just says, you know what, I really want to do a big job in my home. That's kind of like where the professional is. The professional Home Depot says it's a little bit better, but this is all part of what I'm saying. If the Fed is listening, they should be saying, okay, everything's getting weaker by the month. The cadence is bad. Everyone expects, you know, the quarters have been cut for the next quarter. Yes. So I, but but so many Fed people come on and say, the the economy is so strong, you know we have to keep well, except that they go back to what you've discussed, which is unemployment is at a historic wages. low it's and wages. wages are actually still strong. No, and I so, know they need more layoffs. And I mean, you can do that, too. You're sort of, you know, both sides here. They like, don't have enough layoffs, but I think that we'll speak to Carmine DeCivio from EY. And I think he might tell us the story of people graduating from college and they're not getting jobs. That's where the surfeit of employment is going to be, the graduates. That's interesting. You I mean, you've made the point that corporates are in a sweet spot with their input costs are coming down, but they can still charge. Isn't the consumer in the same place where uh, wage growth is outlasting goods inflation? Well, it just, they're just, we know that they're charging credit cards. They're charging more. We know that. Uh, we know that, that higher rates 
have at some point have to impact. I mean, the capital ones in the world, but they're still doing, doing very well. I don't know, Carl. I, I, I look, as long as wages hang in, people hang in. Higher rates. I mean, yesterday, Jamie Dimon was talking How about, about those. And he said this before, but it's still rather stark. I'm not talking about four, two, five, I'm five, six, maybe even seven percent. That seven's new. He did six with me when he was yes, in Philly. Yes, I think I feel like I remember six as well when yeah, we did, did six something. for a while. Um, he's at seven now as he's a possibility. Seven percent. Yes, thirteen percent of the country. Yeah. Um, should we take a listen? Yeah, this is oh, what yeah. Diamond said about uh, being prepped for higher rates. Take a listen. You're already seeing credit tightening up because you know the easiest way for a bank to retain capital is not to make the next loan. So I think you are going to see that. And I think everyone should be prepared for rates going higher from here. You know, that if that five percent is not enough in Fed funds, if I and I've been advising this to clients and banks, you should be prepared for six, seven. You should be prepared for on the 10 year bond. And I also feel this way. The Fed doesn't control the five or 10 year rate. They control the overnight rate. So while they've been raising the overnight rate, there's still too much liquidity in the system which is why stocks are high, bond spreads are still, you're all talking about recession, not reflected in bond spreads. So I think there's a chance you can have rates ticking up and not to 3.78. I'm talking about 4.25, 5, 6, hell, maybe even seven. I would be prepared for higher rates. The COO later said, um, just got back from Argentina and trust me, you'll take a recession over entrenched inflation. Over many years. Look, we don't want uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Burns. I mean, every time that things got better in the 70s, he, he let off the gas pedal and then it got worse. I and mean, you can't have that stop start. But you know what? Jay Powell knows that. He's an historian of what the Fed's done right. They right. can't. They can't lay off. But now you're talking the other side of rates no, continue I'm, to go up. No, you're I'm on not one talking the other side. Okay. I'm saying that wages are the last bastion of inflation. So when do they go? When do they start to turn? But June 17th. <laughs> what are you trying to be? Okay, thank you for that. May 20th. Oh, right, of course. It's May 20th. When people right. start getting fired other than working at Meta. Uh, other than. Other than. Meta. Yes, yeah. Other yeah. Than Meta. Yeah. This is the year of efficiency, dude. And also the year of living dangerously. <laughs> Great film. Wasn't it? Yep. When we come back, Kramer's Mad Dash, West Coast style, and we'll count down to the opening bell. Take a look at futures. Back in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, let's get to a mad dash, Santa Barbara style, whatever that might be. Um, Microsoft. Well, Jeffries has a piece today, David. It talks about taking a price target for Microsoft from 350 to 400. Now, you're talking about one of the biggest companies in the world. $2.388 $2.388 trillion market cap. And it goes to four hundred. I mean, obviously, what, what this piece is about is about how everybody knew about AI, 
But then after chat GPT, it's in your face and it's going to matter. And I think, David, one, one of the things that, that Jensen Wong from NVIDIA has talked about is that you know, he, he labored in the vineyards with AI for five, six years. And then suddenly with chat GPT, it just exploded. And it's only been three months. So I know that AI seems like it's almost old hand to our viewers. It's just now starting to impact numbers. And that's very good for Microsoft. It's very, 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 very early days. Very and I'll early. tell you, it's every 48 hours there's something, an advancement. I mean, this is moving at a, at a pace that is unequaled, I think, is, is at least what I'm told by you know, any number of people who are leading various organizations or at least involved in the development well, of AI for their organization. We'll be talking to Carmine Decidio at EY, and I think that what you're seeing, I, maybe you can confirm this, it's dangerous to hire someone because you don't know whether you need that person. No longer because your business is doing well, but maybe because that person isn't needed because of the bots. Yeah, uh, Logan's on the tape right now saying we're already seeing the effect of technology and finance. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Let's get the opening bell here. Uh, Real-time exchange at the big board. It's laser manufacturer Coherent and at the NASDAQ, great transportation company CSX, as we see the breath fill in here. Jim, a lot of discussion this morning about to your point about Microsoft, the spread in valuation between tech and the broader market? Well, it's just, it's become back to what happened after 2011. That was the beginning of FANG. And we are, uh, at that point it was Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. But we are beginning to see uh, the banks. And I regard these companies as banks. Some people, I think we should almost call them nation states. Because when you look at their balance sheets and you look at their earnings, you can just say, I like their paper more than I like, yes, treasuries. I mean, we're not concerned about the coupon paying off at Microsoft, for heaven's sake. So I do think that this is, that this is going to continue. These companies have an edge. And the, the alternative is to go buy Clorox or PepsiCo. Can't buy banks. Industrials could be on the hot seat if the Fed keeps going. Look, if what Jamie Dimon says, let's say it goes to seven, you would think that the valuations of the stocks that are on the screen would be hurt. But no, uh, they seem almost immune to rates, which is an extraordinary thing. But it's what happened in 2011. They're immune to rates. Back. Well, should Apple borrow at a rate above that of the U.S. government or perhaps below it? I think it should below it. I mean, who's a better well, credit? Do you, do you think Eddie Q argues with, with Tim Cook about whether to pay? No, I don't think they have any argument about whether to pay. And you're making a bet on the ability but of the Tim, iPhone to op- continue to be a selling product around the world and we, their services revenue. I'd say they're pretty money good, not to mention they have how much in cash? Well, but you, you, right now, the president is talking with the speaker uh, about whether basically to pay off the debt. Well, pay the interest on Pay the, the interest. Yeah. I mean, like the Apple board sits around and says, you know, I hate you, you hate me, we're not paying. No, that never comes up. It's more about how are we going to de-risk our supply chain out of China. Yes. yes, yes. And I think that when I look at Apple, I think to myself, they're, somehow it's not caught up in the AI conversation. That's ridiculous. Uh, they are every bit as interested as everybody else. The one that is just shocking is the Mark Zuckerberg tie-up with Jensen Wong at NVIDIA because they don't necessarily share the same values. But uh, there is just something going on at Meta that just shows you it's almost like they've decided you need very few people to make a lot of money. And I, I, you see no degradation of product, even though they just laid off a lot of people. And potentially will continue to lay off even more, Jim. I mean, you know, I had some reporting yesterday. You were doing some work on it as well. Many of these, uh, potent, these uh, they've been announced, broadly speaking, right. 
But the era of efficiency is not over, I think no. is fair to say, based on at least what I'm hearing. And so there is an expectation that there's going to be another round yet to come, whether that's part of what was already announced or new, unclear, but another round. But it's emphasized constantly when you go to the company. Uh, they just say, listen, we have an efficiency roadmap. Basically, like, stop it, Jim. This is what we're doing in 2023. It's never, ever mentioned that it's metaverse. Uh, it's almost as like there's like a secret plan to, sh- to shut down Metaverse, but it ain't happening. Uh, this fine out of Europe on Meta uh, got some eyebrows raised yesterday because it has implications for companies that transfer data from Europe to the U.S. You got TikTok pushing back in Montana. Yeah, Donahoe last night from Nike talking about the Metaverse being very much alive in their view and uh, capturing the attention of Phil Knight, for example. Well, look, if Metaverse is real, then why don't people do what, what Mark Zuckerberg really wants, was be part of the virtual mall. Ralph Lauren wanted to be part of the virtual mall. David, the virtual mall could be alive and well if anyone would be willing to sell stuff in it. If they would. I mean, Meta, which obviously changed its name from Facebook, uh, important to point out, is still spending a lot of money on Three to four billion. the Metaverse. Well, it's also, I think, when you don't have to wear something on your head is when we'll get the big breakthrough. Interesting, you know, he doesn't want avatars, he being Mark, looking exactly like you. Because I said, look, I would prefer an avatar that is me, which, of course, you can do. And he wants funny ones. Cartoonish. Cartoonish. Mm. I don't know. I don't think cartoonish. I mean, David, what do you look like? I mean, I almost wish we had, like, a video of what the metaverse would look like, the three of us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We do have that. I forget. We made our meta. We have our meta graphics somewhere. Um, uh, AI, though, in the ability to actually create these deep fakes is what I'm thinking about when you say that. Right. Obviously, given the news from yesterday, Carl, and what we saw uh, with things that were completely fake but ran on Twitter and for at least a moment may have uh, a scared people and also uh, brought a market reaction, brief though it may have been. Amplified by people with a blue check. Uh, the the appearance of legitimacy on, on social platforms. Yeah. Uh, and as Steve Kovac pointed out on Squawk this morning, this is just the beginning of what we're likely to see in a, certainly a political cycle. Without, and I did ask Musk about it in our interview last week, specific to the election. And, you know, he seemed to rely a lot on the community notes function that will be a policing, he believes will be uh, able to police in some way. But, you know, he agreed that somebody at this very moment, he said, could imitate both of us. Uh, in an effective way. And so you just do wonder well, where, saw, how, where and how are people going to be able to truly discern what is reality and what is you not. You couldn't. I, when Jensen Wong presented me, I, I walk into a room and a guy says, hey, I'm Kramer. And I said, no, I'm Kramer. And he said, no, well, no welcome to Man Money. He's talking to me, right? And it's interesting. Jensen said he had spent all weekend developing the Philadelphia accent, which he said was hard. Now, by the way, Mayor, remember how? Yeah, yeah. I remember. remember how I she know where felt? you're going? Yes, the she HBO felt, show. Yeah. Hard to replicate. But yes. No. Kate Winslet, and she did Kate a great Winslet, job. But, with the, uh, I yeah. have to tell you that he was not concerned. He's more concerned about using the product for good and also for eliminating waste, because that's what Nvidia cares tremendously about. But you couldn't detect whether it was me. How about this op-ed in the FT from uh, Pichai? It's talking about uh, the early days that we're in, but also pushing back on the idea that people want to make this about a competitive race. It's Google versus Microsoft. That's not the most important thing going on. It's true. I mean, the Google numbers are good and the Bing numbers are okay. Google, I could argue that the search functions actually picked up. Uh, 
Alphabet stock fully reflects the idea that it's not a one, that it's not a two horse, three horse, four horse. It's David. It's just anybody who has the technology is going to find ways to make it so that it's exciting. Yeah, and don't forget, Meta has released it in an open source fashion, right? right. With Llama, so that there are people who can build on on what has already been the computing power that has already taken place to create the weights, I think is right. what they call them, so that it can be open to more than just the, the, the big guys who have obviously have access to enormous amounts of computing power that you need, well, which is why? incredibly expensive. That said, that will still be a key defining characteristic of those who move forward. Well, the defining moment will be when you look at a call center. Now, uh, there are call, call center F9 stock went up yesterday. There was a, yesterday was a rebellion against the AI movement. A lot of the companies have been taken down because people feel that they're superfluous, really call center-related companies, started going back up as if, whoa, we're still going to need humans somewhere. Uh, and we haven't had a McDonald's uh, embrace what Wendy's doing with the test of whether we need uh, for drive through Starbucks isn't doing it. We haven't even heard, by the way, Starbucks, David, Starbucks in China. Remember the great ambassador of China? Yes. Where is it? Where's Starbucks? Yeah. What about them? They're, well, they're, they're ambassador. in China. They, yeah, they're ambassador. They open stores every day, lots of them. Right, right? Nine, every nine hours. Yeah. So um, what do they have to say? They've been silent. That's where they are. They've been silent. Sometimes that's a good policy Well, because you don't want to be put in a position but, where you're going to have to say something, right? I'm not talking about the fact that they said plus three, minus three right now. Minus. What's going on with the Chinese middle class? You've been asking that question. Well, there's, yeah, because... There's nothing going on. Yeah, well, youth unemployment's at a, what, 20-year high? Yeah. I mean, LVM, how could Tiffany be doing incredibly well there? And yet, you know, what is it, David? The Chinese, I mean, it's, they're doing remonstration classes. You know that. They're back to remonstration classes. Like under Mao. Mao, he was a, he was a, a he was a leader of China. I'm aware. Uh, yeah, I know. He died there you go. The, was, Nixon essence. went and visited with him, and then he, <laughs> Whoa, and then he man, died. man, you really hit it out of the park with that one. You. you threw that one right over home plate. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm God. sorry. Awful. You know, you stood in front of the mound, just to be clear. Okay? <laughs> they made me stand. Went, I got on the mound. On the mound. I got on the mound. I went for it. I had my son crouching down <laughs> 60 feet away, and I went for it. Uh, he keeps living that. The day before, it, he was king. The day before, he was interviewing Musk, and he was king. And then, I don't know, were you, like Icarus? I think you were wrong. It was moments before. I was the greatest thing ever. I'm having a catch in the field. And then, then, it, then it was a low point in my life. <laughs> oh my God. Gosh. Thank you for bringing it up. Oh, I, I have no other choice. Over and over again. I Many times. That. No, that's it. All right. That's the last time. The I'm la- done. Okay, we'll see I'm about that. We'll see about that. I'm done. Um, and yes, I do know who Mao was because yeah, I listen to you talk about him Mao, all the I mean, time. China, on the Starbucks call, there was a great conundrum. Which is that I, it, it, I, my chapel trust owns it. And I said, no, not minus three for heaven's sake. They don't have enough money for the triple weapon to do it. Give me what? That's how you order it. I'm aware. Meantime, guys, relative softness, except for energy. Uh, two upgrades, Jim Chevron today. I know you've seen those. And these comments from the Saudi energy minister basically telling the shorts to, quote, watch out. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing. When you start having major people when it comes to oil talking about the shorts, no. I mean, it's going to be real demand versus not a lot of demand and real supply versus not a lot. It's not the shorts. It's not the future. What are, they, are they trying to get it? The shorts are pressing into 60. It's a worldwide market for heaven's sake. But that made, me, that made me concerned because those who worry about shorts are people who are actually worried about demand. Mm. Well, the meeting is next week. 
Uh, 73, though, would be the highest close in a couple of weeks, right. at least on Texas. I, look, I, I think that the oil market, this is summer driving season. It's Memorial Day. If it's not up right now, it ain't never going higher. I don't know what the, whether the Fed's really in there, ref, you know, whether the federal government is refilling or not. But I know that this country just, we keep discovering more oil, despite the fact that there was some moments where people said we haven't. And you go back to that Chevron deal in Colorado. If they can do 350,000 more barrels, I mean, that's, that's meaningful. And so uh, they can worry about the shorts. I'm worried about Mike Worth, mm-hmm. CEO of Chevron, putting his finger on the scale. On what scale? Supply. Supply scale. <laughs> well, they did that deal yesterday. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, they did. I'm just saying that was 350,000 barrels that was kind of wasn't really there. The Colorado, that was not an area where the DJ Basin is not. The DJ, DJ Saul Basin is not what we think it is. <laughs> it isn't. David's here. And he's very good. Look, he's felt. I'm not sure we're supposed to say who's here or not. Uh, really? Oh, shit. Not even I'm supposed sorry. to say where we are. Yeah. All right, how about my wife? My wife's here. Well, that's good. Good. I was much happier to see her. We, uh, we, we addressed Lowe's, guys. We didn't get to DKS, though, uh, with the beat, revenue ahead. He didn't talk about trade down. No, he actually, uh, Ed Stack, who's executive chairman, he told a good story. Uh, and he was distinguished from Mary Dillon from Foot Locker, who I think kitchen sink, uh, bathroom sink, attic, basement sink. Because what I'm concerned about is, is that it can't be that good on the dick side of the street and that bad on the Foot Locker street. I often see them together. Uh, Dick's has a panoply of, of uh, sporting goods. You know, sporting goods were supposed to be very weak. They were weak in the CPI. CPI actually referred to sporting goods being weak. So I don't know. I, 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 I struggle over how that index is calculated because the Dick's numbers were quite good. That's actually uh, the only one I think that is really kind of just front and center good. Uh, BJ in line. Comps, yeah, I think comps missed a bit. They're yeah, take that one down. Yeah. I expect Costco to miss uh, only because this is when Costco decides we're going for club membership. We are not going. Remember, their value, uh, they want value and they want transactions. Everyone thinks that they really want price. They don't want price. They want cardholders. They want, uh, instead, David, you should trade up. He should trade up from the white card to the black card. I mean, that chart right there, that's BJ and Costco. That's, I mean, is that what you would expect going into recession? Well, Costco is driving prices down in order to be able to capture from everybody else. We need to see Kroger. I thought that Walmart was tepid. I thought that Target was tepid. I mean, mean, we can't just decide, you know, if the Fed gets together and says, you know what, Dick's had a good quarter. We're fine. I mean, that would be wrong. I think if they went over the vast panoply of retailers, they struggle for, I mean, the target. I, I, I think Brian Cornell is sensational. He did not say this quarter was good. He said each month was worse. And I don't know why the Fed doesn't come. Someone from the Fed should be saying, you know what, we really have to pause here because each month's worse. But they don't because of wages. Right. Although there's still an expectation they are going to pause in the June Well, I, I think that they don't have a – well, maybe they say I took a, a very expensive plane to get to Washington. We should – Anecdotally. If they raise rates in June, that would be unexpected. Right? I think it would be unexpected. And that would, I, I don't know what the market well, we reaction would be, probably credit. not positive. You're Jamie Dimon. The first thing that happens is maybe people don't make loans. So he's Jamie Dimon. thing out of his mouth was not necessarily about higher rates per se, right. but it was much more about, as you say. Well, why right. are we talking about that? 
Well, we did kind of talk yeah. about it because we listened to them. We didn't, we didn't emphasize it. We, okay. Uh, let's get some PMIs for that. We'll turn to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Yes, uh, global PMIs are coming out from S&P. We know Philly non-manufacturing was still a minus number, even though it improved regarding service sector. Here we go. On the manufacturing side, wow, under 50 again, 48.5. You know, we popped over 50 last month, and it was the first time since October. We're back below at 48.5 is the lowest level since January, uh, excuse me, yeah, when it was 46.9. And if we look at the services, by far the most important aspect of this, uh, 55.1, it's improved, so yields are going to firm up a bit on that. 55.1 is the highest level since April of last year when it was 55.6. And finally, when we put them together, the composite reading, 54.5, also a bit better than expected. 54.5 is the best also since April of last year. Rates have moved up, not to the highs yet, but definitely the service sector is what many are concentrating on because that's the focus of some of the best strength in the economy, especially uh, when one considers the path of the Federal Reserve. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. Here we go. We got a treat. Let's bring in a company with a strong pulse in the broader economy across pretty much everywhere. Talking about EY Chairman CEO Carmine DeCibio. He's joining us now. Hey, Carmine, great to have you out here on the show. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. It's great right. to be here. Well, you know, you, you, you talk to everybody. You actually do talk to everybody. I mean, you even talk to the king, the yeah. king of England. You showed up there in the coronation. Yeah. Uh, are people going to stop hiring for now, both because of the economy and also because maybe you can hire people? ChatGPT is cheaper to hire. Yeah. So we, are, we have been seeing a slowdown in hiring, Jim, uh, across the board, in particular in professional services, which is what we're in but really in any kind of more professional kind of jobs. And so that has been slowing down. Uh, that's something, if you look at a lot of the consulting firms, including ourselves, they've moved their start dates for their new hires. Uh, their new hires are supposed to start in September or even August. They've all been pushed back to January. Uh, and so there is, you know, the job market is actually um, a lot tougher uh, than, than it was six months ago. So we are seeing that, you know, as we move along here. And it, it really has nothing to do with ChatGPT yet. It has to do with the fact that uh, many companies were hiring uh, based on attrition rates that were much higher. Uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, post-COVID, you know, you know, people were leaving, res great resignation. Those attrition rates, for example, for ourselves, went from 20, 20, over 20% down to 12 pretty suddenly. And so, therefore, um, you know, a lot of companies, including ourselves, have found ourselves with more people than we need at this point in time. Do you think there will be a round of layoffs the way we've seen previously going into recessions? Right now, we really don't have many big such-and-such such a company lays off 5,000. Well, in the tech sector, we've seen some of that. We've seen, uh, you know, announcements of that. Of course, it's a small percentage of the workforce because there's right. been so many jobs that have been created. But uh, I think you'll see more of that as we move into it. Now, that does not count the service sector uh, hotels, restaurants, there the job market is still uh, pretty tough. There we still need more people, we need more services people, and that's when I talk to our clients in those businesses, that's still an issue. Well, uh, I, aren't you surprised that wages remain so strong away from that industry? And I say that because you would think 
that somehow uh, the Fed would be able to say, we see wages peaking, but they're not. Yeah, I'm actually surprised at that. I think that's a good point. Uh, they're not really peaking. And, and, you know, I think maybe that's a little bit of a laggard. You'll see more of that in the next few months, uh, for sure. But, you know, if you get into the whole chat GPT thing, um, that will, you know, that is, everyone's talking about it. It's number one item, uh, AI, generative AI. We're doing a lot of work in this area uh, with our clients and with ourselves. Uh, we, we've created, for example, we do a lot of work with, with HR functions of companies. Uh, we've created um, basically a chatbot that answers all the questions employees have uh, around their pay stub and everything else. This ChatGPT with OpenAI uh, on Azure, uh, it's in ingesting 500 questions a day. And it's learning really, really fast. And this is something that we'll utilize ourselves, but we'll also license out to clients. Are you seeing the number of use cases I mean, I, th I think J.P. Morgan yesterday said the no their number is up 34 year on year. Yeah, no, the number of use cases. The number of use cases, Carl, is going through the roof. And it's all different sectors. Uh, some of the use cases are more set on efficiency, which will mean that it will replace some jobs. Some are more, more set on, you know, generating revenue and how do you generate more revenue. So the use cases, we'll, we really look at it by sector. Each sector, and, and we're working with different companies in sector, have different types of use cases. And we're working with a lot of our clients on those exact use cases. What about productivity then? I know it's early, incredibly early, but I mean, every 48 hours, there seems to be some sort of step function here. Yeah. What are your expectations when it comes to productivity in terms of the use of generative AI over, let's call it the next three to five years? Yeah, David, I think that's a good point. You know, like everything else, people start saying, oh my God, it's gonna replace all these jobs and so forth. But this is, this is really an evolution. You know, like everything else in technology, it'll evolve. It will definitely replace jobs, and it will make things more productive, but it's going to take time, and jobs will change, uh, just like any other piece of technology. So you don't, you're not in the belief that it will wholesale replace a lot of, you know, a lot of jobs uh, across over, the board? Over the long term, it will replace a lot of jobs, but those jobs will also change. Um, that's been true with almost every piece of technology that's been invented. Can you tell us about Europe? You've been there so many times. I is Europe stronger than the United States? No, I will say, Jim, Europe is incredibly resilient. I mean, that's the word that I use with Europe. I mean, every time we think things are going wrong, there's a war in Europe, uh, Europe just kind of moves through, moves through. Uh, people are resilient, consumers are resilient. Uh, and for us, Europe's done incredibly well. We have, we have very good growth in Europe, double-digit growth, uh, a lot more transformations going on uh, than people realize. Some of those are more uh, exemplified in the U.S., but there's a lot of them going on in Europe with different countries, well, different you, companies. Well, I am just curious about the split or the plan to split. You were obviously supportive of that, pushing it. You spent a good amount of money on it. Uh, how disappointed were you when you had to decide to shelve that split of audit and consulting? Yeah. David, I was obviously very disappointed. Uh, it's something that uh, the strategic rationale behind the split made all the sense in the world. It still makes all the sense in the world. But the execution of it, the complication of it, remember, we're a partnership, we're a series of partnerships, we're not a corporate, a lot of CEOs you all talk to, you know, they say, go that way, and everyone goes that way. Uh, with us, it's much more consensus driven uh, in terms of all the partners. And so it didn't happen this time. We have a lot of learnings uh, that we're incorporating uh, into our strategy going forward. Um, one of our advisors told me early on that we'll learn a lot more about the organization. And I've been there 38 years, so I know a lot of the organization. <laughs> 
But, but it's amazing when you go through a process like this how much you learn, and we're incorporating that into going forward. I know I'm supposed to end, but I have to ask you, Coronation, what was it like to be there? It was, it was great. You know, uh, as you, I think you know, I'm involved in this organization, the Sustainable Markets right. Initiative, uh, with uh, Brian Moynihan and with uh, now King Charles. And our whole mission is to really get the private sector much more involved in sustainability right. and working with the, with, with the public sector. So that's one of the reasons why I was there. Uh, King Charles is very, very passionate about this, and he makes it known. Wow. Yeah, yeah you've just done great things, Corm. Just Thanks. great things. Thanks for having me, Well, we've got Matt tonight. Uh, yeah. What's, what's and, up? And uh, we've got, uh, we'll have a little bit of Eddie Q from, from Apple. We have uh, Palo Alto. We have Nikesh Aurora. We've got Carrier. David Gitlin's here. And then we've got uh, Anthony Noto for SoFi. So it should be, it's very exciting here, I've got to tell you. And one of the great things is to see you in this, in this venue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good to see you, Jim. We'll see you tonight. Thank you. Uh, still ahead, an exclusive with uh, Michael Dell, uh, talking everything from AI to the tech rally and a lot more. A big show still ahead from Santa Barbara. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.